Chapter Two of Mount Royal, Volume Two by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. Alas for me, then my good days are done. Angus Hamley's letter came upon Christabel like a torrent of cold water, as if that bright silvery arc which pierces the rock at Saint Nectan's Kiev had struck upon her heart with its icy stream and chilled it into stone all through that long summer day upon which her letter must arrive at hillside she had lived in nervous expectation of a telegram expressing indignation remonstrance pleading anger a savage denial of her right to renounce her lover to break her engagement she had made up her mind in all good faith she meant to go on to the bitter end in the teeth of her lover's opposition to complete her renunciation in favour of that frail creature who had so solemn a claim upon angus hamley's honour she meant to fight this good fight but she expected that the struggle would be hard oh how long and dismal those summer hours seemed which she spent in her own room trying to read trying to comfort herself with saddest strains of classic melody and always and through all listening for the telegraph's boy's knock at the hall door or for the sudden stopping of a hansom against the curb bringing home her lover to remonstrate in person in defiance of all calculations of time and space there was no telegram she had to wait nearly twenty-four hours for the slow transit of the mails from the high latitude of inverness and when she read angus hamley's letter those few placid words which so quietly left her free to take her own way her heart sank with a dull despair that was infinitely worse than the keen agonies of the last few days the finality of that brief letter the willingness to surrender her the cold indifference as it seemed to her future fate was the hardest blow of all too surely it confirmed all those humiliating doubts which had tortured her since her discovery of that wretched past he had never really cared for her it was she who had forced him into an avowal of affection by her unconscious revelation of love she who unmaidenly in her ignorance of life and mankind had been the wooer rather than the wooed thank god that my pride and my duty helped me to decide she said to herself what should i have done if i had married him and found out afterwards how weak a hold i had upon his heart if he had told me one day that he had married me out of pity christabel told mrs tregonell she had written to mr hamley she spoke of him only as mr hamley now and had received his reply and that all was now over between them i want you to return his present for me auntie she said they are too valuable to be sent to his chambers while he is away the diamond necklace which he gave me on my birthday just like the one i saw on the stage i suppose he thinks all women have exactly the same ideas and fancies the books too i will put them all together for you to return he has given you a small library said mrs tregonell i will take the things in the carriage and see that they are properly delivered don't be afraid darling you shall have no trouble about them my own dear girl how brave and good you are how wise too yes bell i am convinced that you have chosen wisely said the widow with the glow of honest conviction for the woof of self-interest is so cunningly interwoven with the warp of righteous feeling that very few of us can tell where the threads cross she drew her knees to her heart and kissed her and cried with her a little and then said cheeringly and now tell me darling what would you like to do we have ever so many engagements for this week and the next fortnight but you know they have been made only for your sake and if you don't care about them care about them oh auntie do you think i could go into society with this dull aching pain at my heart 
i feel as if i should never care to see my fellow-creatures again except you and jessie and leonard said the mother poor leonard who would go through fire and water for you christabel winced feeling fretfully that she did not want any one to go through fire and water a kind of acrobatic performance continually being volunteered by people who would hesitate at the loan of five pounds where shall we go dear would you not like to go abroad for the autumn switzerland or italy for instance suggested mrs tregonell with an idea that three months on the continent was a specific in such cases no said christabel shudderingly remembering how angus and his frail first love had been happy together in italy oh those books those books with their passionate record of past joys those burning lines from byron and hayne which expressed such a world of feeling in ten syllables no i would ever so much rather go back to mount royal my poor child the place is so associated with mr hamley you would be thinking of him every hour of the day i shall do that anywhere change of scene would be so much better for you travelling variety auntie you are not strong enough to travel with comfort to yourself i am not going to drag you about for a fanciful alleviation of my sorrow the landscape may change but not the mind i should think of the past just as much at mont blanc as on willow park no dearest let us go home let me go back to the old old life as it was before i saw mr hamley oh what a child i was in those dear days how happy how happy she burst into tears melted by the memory of those placid days the first tear she had shed since she received her lover's answer and you will be happy again dear don't you remember that passage i read to you in the caxtons a few days ago in which the wise tender-hearted father tells his son how small a space one great sorrow takes in a life and how triumphantly the life soars on beyond it yes i remember but i didn't believe him then and i believe him still less now answered christabel doggedly major bree called that afternoon and found mrs tregonell alone in the drawing-room where is bell he asked she has gone for a long country ride i insisted upon it you were quite right she was looking as white as a ghost yesterday when i just caught a glimpse of her in the next room she ran away like a guilty thing when she saw me well has this cloud blown over is hamley back no christabel's engagement is broken off it has been a great blow a severe trial but now it is over i am glad she never could have been happy with him how do you know that asked the major sharply i judge him by his antecedents what could be expected from a man who had led that kind of life a man who so grossly deceived her deceived her did she ask him if he had ever been in love with an actress did she or you ever interrogate him as to his past life why you did not even question me or i should have been obliged to tell you all i knew of his relations with miss mayne you ought to have told me of your own accord you should not have waited to be questioned said mrs tregonell indignantly why should i stir dirty water do you suppose that every man who makes a good husband and lives happily with his wife has been spotless up to the hour of his marriage there is a sturm und drang period in every man's life depend upon it far better that the tempest should rage before marriage than after i can't accept your philosophy nor could christabel she took the business into her own hands bravely nobly 
she has cancelled her engagement and left mr hamley free to make some kind of reparation to this actress person reparation to stella Mayne? why don't you know that she is the mistress of colonel luscombe who has ruined his social and professional prospects for her sake do you mean to say that old harpy who gave you your information about angus did not give you the epilogue to the play not a word said mrs tregonell considerably dashed by this intelligence but i don't see that this fact alters the case much christabel could never have been happy or at peace with a man who had once been devoted to a creature of that class would you be surprised to hear that creatures of that class are flesh and blood and that they love us and leave us and cleave to us and forsake us just like the women in society asked the major surveying her with mild scorn she was a good woman no doubt and acted honestly according to her lights yet he was angry with her believing that she had spoiled two lives by her incapacity to take a wide and liberal view of the human comedy End of chapter 2